Hello and welcome to the Proxima Weekly, your source of project finance, energy, and infrastructure news globally. I'm your host, Maura Murphy, reporting to you from New York. Starting off today in the U.S., Albemarle and Talon Metals are getting about $110 million in new U.S. government funding to support the expansion of domestic mining of lithium and nickel. Albemarle will get $90 million to help support the miners' planned reopening of its Kings Mountain lithium mine. Nickel miner Talon Metals will get $20.6 million in advanced exploration of its Tamarack intrusive complex in Minnesota. The funding comes as the U.S. battles to secure self-sufficiency supply of minerals critical to producing batteries for electric vehicles and other products needed for the energy transition. Albemarle envisions reopening the Kings Mountain mine with an initial annual capacity of 50,000 metric tons in 2027. Tamarack, a JV between Talon Metals and Rio Tinto, isn't in commercial production yet, but Tesla has already agreed to purchase 75,000 tons of nickel concentrates from the Minnesota project. The mine will also produce copper and cobalt. Moving from the U.S. and into Europe, the NHOA Group's Alante has been selected as one more for support by the European Union under CEF2 Transport, which is the Alternative Fuel Infrastructure Facility. The company has been awarded a 49.9 million euro grant for the expansion of its EV charging infrastructure network. Alante has submitted the Alante for All proposal for the overall installation of over 1,800 parking slots with over 1,000 fast chargers in 407 EV stations, of which 153 are located in Italy, 126 in France, 95 in Spain, and 33 in Portugal. The Elante for All project will also benefit from the financial support of France's Group Coste de Pau, which is, through its Banque des Territories, will provide additional funding for approximately 20 million euros. The fast charging stations will be situated along the Trans-European Transport Road Network on safe parking and in urban nodes. All stations will be powered by 100% renewable energy, be all modular and designed either with or ready for on-site battery storage to manage peak charging hours and on-site or off-site solar energy production. Once fully developed, all points of charge will be fully integrated with national grids, creating one of the largest virtual power plants globally. In 2022, under the same European program, Alante had been awarded 23 million euro. Also in Europe this week, Australia's largest pension fund, Australian Super, is investing 1.5 billion euro in Vantage data centers, which is one of Europe's largest data center businesses. Vantage has been valued at 11 billion and will receive the investment to fund the construction of new data centers in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. Vantage EMEA currently operates 12 data centers in European cities, including London, Berlin, Zurich, Milan, Frankfurt, and Warsaw. Vantage is also investing £750 million to construct two centers in London, expected to be completed by 2025. The investment is part of a broader trend of institutional investors pouring billions of dollars into digital infrastructure to support the growth of cloud computing and artificial intelligence. Australian supersedes the investment as just the beginning of its involvement in data centers and plans to provide additional capital and target properties owned by other private capital groups. Moving to the Middle East and Africa, the African Development Bank has approved $104 million in financing to the Ethiopian government for the financing of a transmission project to improve power supply to the eastern part of the country. 
The financing includes a $52 million grant from the African Development Fund, the bank group's concessional lending arm, and a $52 million soft loan drawn from Korea's Economic Development Cooperation Fund under the Korea-Africa Energy Investment Framework Agreement. The project will involve the construction of a 157-kilometer 400-kilovolt uh, double-circuit transmission line and associated substations at Harar, Jijia, and Fafem. These will boost the power capacity in the eastern part of Ethiopia. The project will serve as a takeoff point for future power interconnection to the Federal Republic of Somalia and contribute to the Horn of Africa Regional Initiative, helping to address some of the drivers of fragility and conflict and facilitate regional economic integration and trade. Continuing in the Middle East and Africa, the African Union plans to launch a new African credit rating agency next year to address the group's concerns that ratings given to countries on the continent were unfair. The agency, which would craft its own assessment of the risks lending to African countries, would be based on the continent, said Mishek Mituizi, lead expert for the country's support on rating agencies with the African Union. It will also add context to the information investors consider when deciding whether to buy African bonds or lend privately to countries. The AU and leaders of member nations from Ghana to Senegal to Zamia allege that the big three rating agencies, Moody's, Fitch, and S&P Global Ratings, do not fairly assess the risk of lending to African countries and that they are quicker to downgrade them during crises such as the COVID-19 pandemic. All three rating agencies have denied bias and that their ratings follow the same formula across continents. According to the report from Reuters, Moody and S&P Global Ratings did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Ravi Bhatia, S&P's lead analyst for Sovereign Ratings, told Reuters recently that the agency supplies the same criteria consistently for all regions. A Fitch spokesperson said that all sovereign rating decisions use, quote, globally consistent and publicly available criteria, and that all rating drivers were clearly identified. A United Nations Development Program study in April showed that African countries could save up to $74.5 billion if credit ratings were based on less objective assessments, citing idiosyncrasies in the frequency of ratings actions for African countries as an example. The new agency has been a push to change the narrative. For our last story today in the Middle East, Saudi Aramco has relaunched a tender for 1.8 billion worth of contracts for the expansion of the Zuluf offshore oil field, having canceled deals previously awarded to the U.S. firm McDermott. The oil giant called off three engineering procurement construction and installation contracts awarded to McDermott last month, with the reason reportedly being that McDermott's inability to present bank guarantees that Aramco requires from winning bidders. Aramco has now launched a new bid process with three contracts at Zuluf, sources told Upstream. The scope of the contracts for the oil field will require much subsea work in the form of subsea cables and pipelines, while the EPCI contracts are expected to include multiple production deck modules, slipover platforms, and as well as well auxiliary platforms, according to Upstream sources. Saudi Arabia is planning on expanding several major oil fields, aiming to raise its oil production capacity to 13 million barrels per day by 2027 from 12 million barrels per day currently. Aramco is expecting the Majoran Berry and Zuluf oil fields. 
The expansion of the Marjan field is seen as adding 300,000 BPD to its production capacity. The expansion of the Berry field should boost its capacity by another 250,000, and Zulu's expansion is set to add a processing facility with a capacity of 600,000 barrels per day. Lastly for today, moving into APAC, Bayfront has priced its fourth infrastructure asset-backed security transaction through the Bayfront Infrastructure Capital Fund 4. Fund 4 features a portfolio size of approximately 410.3 million, spread across 40 individual loans and bonds, 33 projects, 15 countries, and 10 industry subsectors. Bayfront, as a sponsor of the transaction, has acquired the retention preference shares prior to the issue date and to retain them throughout the life of the transaction. The UK Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office, as part of its mobilizing institutional capital through listed project structures program, committed an anchor investment of up to 20.4 million in the preference shares and received a final allocation of 5 million. City and Standard Chartered were the joint global coordinators, joint book runners, and joint lead managers, as well as ING, OCBC, Societe General, and SMBC Nico as joint book runners and joint lead managers. The AIIB also participated in the transaction as an anchor investor. And finally, for our last story of today, Bangladesh Jute Mills Corp has agreed to buy 90 megawatts of rooftop solar capacity from six different project developers under 20-year PPAs. BJMC, which manages all government-owned jute factories and industries in the country, said that the projects will be deployed at 13 of its mills across Bangladesh. The project developers were selected through a competitive tender and include Chint Solar Bangladesh, Solarion CNI Creative Center, Copenhagen Urban Solar Parks BD Consortium, Top Points Trading, Lesser Consortium, and Bay Trina Consortium. The move follows a change in government regulations that now permits foreign companies to wholly own renewable energy projects, removing the previous 80% foreign investment limit. And that's all for this week. If you're interested in learning more about any of these stories, then please do visit us at proximoinfo.com. Until next week.